Hello and welcome to another episode of Travelosophy. I'm your host, Jade Jackson, and I'm an ex-travel agent, tour guide, travel and tourism teacher, and I've explored over 55 countries. And now I'm a freelance writer, podcaster, and photographer. The idea for today's episode of Travelosophy came about because just last week, when I was visiting my grandmother, my uncle popped over to say hello on his way to the airport. Then a few hours later, just as his flight was due to board, I get a phone call. Um, I think I've left my wallet behind. Sure enough, he did. But there wasn't enough time to get to the airport before his flight departed. So he now has three weeks in Egypt and Jordan without his wallet. Luckily, his wife was there to save the day and pay for everything. A few days later, they posted photos from the pyramids. Then the very next story in my newsfeed was about a tourist bus which exploded in Egypt, not far from the pyramids. Thankfully, it wasn't theirs and they were okay. Luckily, no one died either. But it got me thinking, what do you do on your trip when something goes wrong? You've spent months, or in some cases years, planning the perfect escape, and then something unexpected happens, like you break up with your partner, or you get sick, you miss your flight, there's a terrorist attack, the airline goes bust, maybe someone close to you dies, or insert other massive problem here. Do you cancel your trip? If you're already overseas, do you book the first flight home? In my family, we have an unspoken rule. I know it sounds cruel, but if someone dies whilst you're overseas, we don't come back for the funeral. Continue the rest of the trip. I know it sounds harsh, but when you're a family of travel addicts, nothing comes between you and travel. We actually faced this situation a few years ago, when my grandmother's sister passed away whilst my grandparents were cruising the Caribbean. Eventually we got the message through, but being on a cruise, there was little they could do. So they finished their trip and had a private memorial ceremony on their return. Likewise, no matter the problem you encounter, there's always a solution. Take missing your flight. It seems like you've ruined your entire trip. But having missed four flights now, no trip was ruined. In most cases, the airline simply rebooked me onto the next available flight. The worst case scenario I encountered was in the USA. In fact, ironically, most of my missed flights have been in America. But anyway, I managed to get a really cheap flight, $4.99 return from Sydney to Los Angeles, one of the benefits of being a travel agent. Although it was in November 2001, so needless to say, few people were travelling at that time. Anyway, I decided to head off for the first trip with my girlfriend at the time, which was ultimately doomed from the start. She decided to bring along a male friend who she met on a Kentucky tour years before, just to make things awkward, and we ended up sleeping in hostels. So segregated bunk rooms most of the time, hardly the romantic trip I was imagining. I should probably point out I actually did invite my mum on that trip, but it wasn't like that because she wanted to take my brother, little brother to Disneyland. So they came over on the flight and then they went off and did their own thing. And we met up in Mexico for a night or two, and then they went off on their own again. So it wasn't as if they were travelling with us. Anyway, the trip was full of arguments and grievances, and then we missed our return flight home in mid-December. I think it was around the 16th. 
When we booked our original flights, being near Christmas, every flight from LA to Sydney was completely booked out until January. Our ticket was also non-changeable, non-refundable, and so potentially we were faced with buying a brand new ticket at whatever seat cost was available. How we missed our flight was a long story. But basically, we were booked on a Greyhound bus from Las Vegas to Los Angeles. But the bus was due to make a stop at LA airport. However, our bus was overbooked and we ended up getting majorly screwed. Not only was our departure delayed, but we had to catch multiple buses and we ended up at LA bus terminal at 9pm, the time our flight was due to take off, instead of at the airport hours earlier. Things were already heated between us. Then I noticed a sticker on the door of the bus terminal. Warning, this area is known to contain hazardous materials that may cause cancer and birth defects. Perfect. Of course, everything became my fault. However, I knew of a hostel nearby that was close to the airport that would pick us up for free and was $12 a night including breakfast. Redemption or so I thought. I should point out that this whole time... Uh, my mother had no idea that we had missed the flight. The last time she saw us, we were in Mexico. And whilst we left a message in our booking to say, we've missed the flight, we'll be back at some stage, uh, the check-in staff refused to pass that message on for privacy reasons. So as far as my mum knew, then the last time she saw us was in Mexico and now we weren't there to catch our flight home in L.A. So she was pretty freaked out. Anyway, back to the hostel in LA. Instead, they took hours to pick us up. So by the time we got to the hostel, it was like 1am. Needless to say, everything I did at this point was the worst thing in the world. Another long story short. The next morning, we broke up. Or rather, I got dumped. Still in LA, still without a way to get home a week before Christmas. There's nothing like the continuity of someone's attention whilst travelling to realise perhaps you're less compatible than you thought. But being realistic was on the verge for some time. So after heading to the airport to sort out our tickets, I went to the movies, did some last minute shopping, whilst my ex stayed at the hotel and got drunk with her friend. Before you ask, how did we manage to change non-refundable, non-changeable tickets? First, we rang up the airline and they said, we can't change these tickets without the authority from the agency you booked them through because they were special travel agent discounted tickets. So we hung up, waited 10 minutes, called back and said, "Okay, we have the authority to change the tickets. And the customer service representative said, "Okay," and rebooked the seats. When we went to get our tickets physically changed, back in the day of paper tickets, we had a lovely girl who put a date change sticker on and that was it. If there was one thing I learned from years of working in travel, it's that you can always get the answer you want if you speak to the right person. Of course, don't forget to be polite and kind, and always give a smile. Being nasty doesn't get you what you want. The person you're dealing with has feelings too, remember. Once, when I was a travel agent, I had to deal with a Japanese airline. My passenger spelled their name wrong, and I needed to get their name changed on their ticket, which is a major deal. Six weeks of phone calls every day. Them saying we had to buy a new ticket, even though the ticket was non-refundable, and also the flights were now booked out. In the end, I spoke to a manager higher up, who authorised it. Changed the name, and I think we paid like $100 just for the sake of closure. 
which is still a lot better than buying a whole new $2,000 ticket. Anyway, thankfully, whilst travelling, I've never lost anything, because I always check where everything is. It's a good habit to get into. Every time you leave somewhere where you won't be going back to, check that you have your wallet, your passport, camera, even if it's every five minutes or every ten minutes. In 2006, I was in Germany for the World Cup. I was attending a few games with my mates, and I had a few weeks in China first, and I was I had the tickets for my mates, and I was so paranoid about losing the tickets that I got into the habit of literally like every 30 seconds to a minute, I was checking my bag, are the tickets there, are the tickets there, are the tickets there, uh, which is probably overkill. But the funny story is when we got to Germany, my friend was like, hey, Jade, aren't they your tickets on the ground? And I looked and there was a plastic envelope with two tickets inside. And I was like, oh, my God. And I picked it up and then I checked my bag and my tickets were in my bag and went all the way to Germany and somehow found two tickets to the game. I handed them in and hopefully they were made their way back to the person. That's what I like to think anyway. Because you always have to deal with karma. So make sure you leave good karma behind. However, ensuring that everything goes smoothly mostly comes down to preparation. Sometimes there are things you can't prepare for, like natural disasters. In my other podcast, Jay Talk Stuff, there's a whole episode dedicated to what to do during an earthquake and tsunami. In the case of natural disasters, it's possible you may be able to move to a different unaffected area and enjoy the rest of your holiday. But like in Bali, for example, with the volcano that constantly erupts, many flights are cancelled, options become limited, which is why you should always double check the fine print of travel insurance before purchasing it. Every travel insurance is slightly different. Key things like terrorism, natural disasters, and if you have alcohol in your bloodstream, generally means you're not covered. Most travel insurance policies won't cover an airline or hotel going bust, which is also why it's a good idea to have alternate plans, just in case. I've mentioned it in other posts, but I always travel with guidebooks, and I know it seems old school, but just say there's no internet, or phones are down, or your phone is flat, or doesn't work, or you can't get Wi-Fi, or for whatever reason, guidebook is always going to work. So you can find information about other towns, you can find information about accommodation, you can find information about how to get places, and of course there's maps as well. And in the back of the guidebook there's also important phone numbers, like... Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade and things like that. There's also phone numbers for in case of emergency like major hospitals, airports, all that kind of stuff. So even though it seems really backwards, it is a really good idea to travel with a guidebook so that if all communication is out, then you still have access to some information. And in Sri Lanka recently, I was on Reddit and there was a girl who was travelling and she found it really difficult just trying to get any information because the government, after the recent terrorist attacks, the government shut down Facebook and Twitter and other forms of social media and WhatsApp as well. And so, first of all, trying to get 
any information about what was actually happening on the ground and also trying to get information about what to do. So recommendations on should they stay, should they go to a different area, should they leave. Originally, some travellers were travelling to different parts of Sri Lanka away from Colombo, but then it became pretty clear that there were things happening all over the country and with the government still as an ongoing investigation at the time, uh, finding new bombs in residences and cars, uh, pretty much everyone decided to head out of Sri Lanka. But even information about where the flights operating, that wasn't available at the time. So for some reason, I don't know why, Reddit is not classed as, or well, wasn't classed as a social media app. And ironically, on my phone, when I have time limits set up for social media, Reddit's still always available. I don't know why. But anyway, uh, so something to be aware of. If you don't use Reddit and you're in an emergency situation, it can be a way to find information, contact people and get a message back home as well. If you end up sick and needing to go to hospital, there's only been one instance where... I needed to go to hospital overseas from memory. That was in Japan. I had minor day surgery on basically just a blister that kept bleeding. Uh, but I had to show travel insurance. Thankfully, travel insurance actually covered it. Uh, and I had to show travel insurance before being checked into the hospital. But... Uh, another time, which was a little bit more traumatic, was when I was 11. I was in Thailand. And I think I've told this story elsewhere, but anyway. Down on the isthmus of Thailand, skinny bit, there's lots of beaches. And I was with my mum, of course, when I was 11. And we were walking along the beach. I took my shoes off and I was walking along the sand and trod on a piece of glass. And bottom of the foot very thin skin and blood was gushing out. She wrapped a towel around it, blood was still pouring out and then because I was losing so much blood I started to pass out and I remember there being no one on the beach. So I was a bit too heavy for mum to carry me because I was 11 and so mum ran up the beach screaming and Eventually, some Thai guy came out of the bushes and helped me carry up to... He had a tuk-tuk. And so here I was thinking I was going to a hospital. It was the village nurse. And while she did a remarkable job, uh, the whole experience basically put me off Thailand for life. And I know that's really horrible, but I haven't been back to Thailand since. But one of the big things from that experience, I remember laying down... One of the big things from that experience was I remember laying down on a banana chair outside in the sun as my foot was bleeding. To clean the wound and get the sand off, she used the garden hose and it was boiling hot. And she stitched me up. I swear I felt everything, even though she supposedly gave me a uh, anaesthetic. And it healed nicely, small scar, didn't get infected or anything. But of course that meant I couldn't go swimming for two weeks. Incredibly boring being in a beach resort in Thailand and not being able to go swimming. So, yeah, that was part of the reason why I really disliked Thailand. 
which is not fair on Thailand, I know, but anyway. So it's never nice hurting yourself when you're overseas, especially when you can't speak the language. But having travel insurance at the ready, knowing the phone numbers, having it handy so that there's always a free call number you can ring back to Australia no matter where you are. They can advise you. They can always provide access to translators if need be. And they'll also guarantee any payments, which is a big deal in America because even just a simple overnight hospital visit can run into like 20, 30 grand. I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's the state of things in America. So whilst there's a million and one things that can go wrong, I suppose from my experiences, I've been lucky enough that none of them have been big enough to warrant cutting short my trip or ending it. I'd always like to think that I'd be able to continue. But let's hear your stories. Send them in. Send me a tweet at jdkinsjackson. You can send me an email via my website. Head to jadejackson.com.au and just hit contact. Or if you'd like, you can send me a message on Facebook. Head to uh, Jade Jackson Photography, J-A-D-E. J-A-C-K-S-O-N, photography, or there's also the Travelosophy podcast one. Both of them have messengers set up. You can send me a message and I will read it out next time on air. Which reminds me, I actually have a postcard that a friend of mine, well, she didn't send me, she sent me a photo of it, but it's still a postcard, uh, which I'm going to read out just now. So this postcard is from Laura, a friend of mine who runs the website Found by Laura. She has a little habit of finding notes on the ground, wherever she is, uh, and she's collected so many over the years that she often puts on exhibitions. But you can find more at her Instagram or her website, Found by Laura. But she recently went to Europe and she sent me a postcard. So we saw the Northern Lights. Jade, Northern Norway was like another world. The water is the best I've ever tasted, especially when we drank it straight from a mountain. We snowshoed up to the top of one of the Lingen Alps and we looked out north to endless nothingness. Stopped in Stockholm, so many post-its on the street there. Loved it. Now in Berlin, this place rocks. Heart, Laura. Thank you very much for Laura. Love your postcard. And if you're travelling and want to send me a postcard, you'll find the details on my website. So the end part of the story, coming home from L.A., we ended up not even sitting next to each other on the flight. I think we requested it. Ellen couldn't care less. Strangely, however, months later, we did end up back together again and the following year completed the Trans-Mongolian Railway without any drama because it was just us. Before we moved to Japan and ironically, that was also where I met Jennifer. So... Even though things didn't work out with the original girlfriend, life has a funny way of taking us where we need to go. Always remember that. Thank you very much for listening to Travelosophy with Jade Jackson. If you'd like to say hi, you can tweet me at Jackson. You can find me on Instagram at Jackson. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Jade Jackson Photography. 
And of course, you can also find me on my website, which is jadejackson.com.au. Thank you so much for listening to Travelosophy. Bye-bye now.